Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say it to your face, but it doesn't mean a thing. No! Jesse Lanza is an acclaimed and alluring electronic pop songwriter based in Hamilton, Ontario. Along with her frequent collaborator Jeremy Greenspan of Junior Boys, Lanza has released two stunning records, 2013's Pull My Hair Back and 2016's Oh No, which were both shortlisted for Canada's prestigious Polaris Music Prize and are each available via the Hyperdub label. Lanza was in Guelph for the underground arts and music extravaganza known as Kazoo Fest recently, and we caught up in a reverb-rich church basement to discuss things like studying jazz, Jill Scott and Patrice Russian, stress and anxiety, European spas and Canada's place in the world, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and much more. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, this is the 328th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Jesse, how are you? Really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. It's nice to have you in Guelph. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I can't remember the last time you were here. You did a show on your own or something at the mm, E-Bar, maybe? I opened for Junior Boys. At the uh, E-Bar? Yeah, that was last February, I think. Right. How was yeah. that? It was good. It feels like a really long time ago, even though it was only... Not this past February. Sorry, the February, like, 2016. Yeah, okay. So yeah. you haven't been here in a while. I haven't been here in a while. Is this, like, a destination that you played? Like, was that your first time playing Guelph? No, it wasn't. I played in Guelph with another band, like, years ago. You had another band? Yeah, well, it wasn't my band, but it was, um, oh. like, a jazz, kind of a jazz fusion. Like, we really wanted... I was listening to a lot of Jill Scott at the time. Oh, okay. And in jazz school, so maybe you could like put those together. Yeah, and I can imagine s- what it sounded like. What's the name of the band? Flat Street. Flat Street. I don't remember Flat Street. Yeah. Well, we played in Guelph. Sorry, I don't mean to offend you by saying I don't remember. I. It's. I mean, I. I don't. You know, we weren't like making huge waves. Were you road warriors? Or did you play a lot of shows? No, oh, okay. I went away to university actually when the touring picked up for Flat Street a little bit, so mm-hmm. I like missed out on that part. Okay, jazz school? Did you say? Jazz school. You went to jazz school. I studied jazz piano. Where? At Concordia. Concordia. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! So that's your yeah. main. That's your base is like jazz piano. Yeah, but I don't. I wasn't. <clears throat> ever really that great at it I practiced a lot and huh. like I tried but I don't know I don't ever think I was completely into it I just really wanted to do music and like the only way to legitimize it seemed to be to go to school for music for something for something yeah and I huh. really wanted to do music so it took me a few years 
to figure out that like I don't have to do anything really but I thought that I did. What does that mean you don't have to do anything? I mean oh you mean you don't have to get a degree? Yeah I don't have to impress my anybody if I don't want to but it's it certainly felt that way at the time. Music can be a weird thing as you're when you're younger it seems uh, magical and mystical right like it doesn't seem like something a normal person can even come close to doing. No it's so weird to remember like what the idea of touring to me when I was a teenager like just seemed like this crazy thing like how do people do it and how does it happen and like I'll know like it just seemed like such an awesome thing to do and yeah I try to remember that anytime I feel crappy about (laughs) being away from home or whatever because I was totally like you said like just mystified right no it's it's natural for everyone to until you actually start to do something that's when it you demystify it and then the people you admire like say Jill Scott become more human because you're like oh they're probably just doing this and yeah. I can kind of do that, sort mm-hmm. of, if I apply myself. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you're just being modest when you say you weren't very good at jazz piano. They don't let anyone into university programs for no. that. <laughs> no, I had to audition. And yeah, I think, I mean, like, I was fine. I just, like, wasn't some sort of, like, wizard or something. I didn't, yeah, it was just, like, difficult for me. And I don't think my heart was completely in it, you know? I wanted to do... I wanted to like write my own songs and not write like jazz songs. You was know? it the parameters of the schooling? Like, were you a generally a good student? Like before you? Yeah, were... yeah, I was. I mean, you liked school. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some people, I didn't really like it until like I hit my stride. Like in grade nine, I was good, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the grades I didn't do very much. Like um, I did okay, but no, I don't even think I did that that well. Right. And then in OAC, when they were like, hey, if you want to go to school after high school, you got to have good grades. So pick, pick it up a little bit. That's when I started winning all the silly <laughs> English awards or whatever. And then right. I got into school and then I did fine. But I, I just like, were you, you're not a slacker. Are you a slacker? Are you a slacker, no, Jesse? No, no, I'm not. I'm like the opposite. I'm like a total like try hard. Like, yeah, like want to make everybody happy. <laughs> That's your deal. When I was that age, for sure, I think, like, it's taken a long time for me to, like, I think, like, because I did jazz piano, and I, like, finished that as my undergrad, and then I started going to McGill for jazz history. Oh. Which I dropped out of really quickly. I think it was at that point where I was realized, like, why am I doing this? And, like, I don't really want to be doing this. I think I'm doing it more to, like tell people that I'm doing it and I was like who am I trying to impress jazz history would not be uh, a practical place to (laughs) practice your jazz piano you were learning about jazz yeah and like just yeah history basically did you foresee yourself as being some kind of academic yeah I did at one point but that was that all ended pretty swiftly (laughs) once (laughs) those courses began yeah I just I don't, I, my, I wasn't completely in it. Jazz history is interesting, though, you have to admit. Totally. It's totally fascinating. It, I mean, yeah. I took jazz history classes in, like, as electives. I wasn't in music, but... Yeah, it's, it's like the history of like pop music. It basically. is. Yeah. So, and of like dance and, yeah, just basically like pop culture as we know it. So it was totally like, not that it was boring. I just... I don't think you need like another half-assed academic. <laughs> like I don't know, you really like need to be like nobody's forcing you to like study jazz sure. music. So sure. Yeah. So did you? Hmm. I'm trying to pinpoint if you were disinterested, but it wasn't because you didn't think it was practical. No, I just wanted to like I wanted to make music too. You want to play? And yeah, and there just wasn't any time to do that. So you went from piano to what? What was your next exploration? Well, I. I dropped out and then I continued to live in Montreal for a little while, but that wasn't really working because I didn't have a job. And so I ended up moving back in with my mom, who you met. Judy. Judy. Judy, yeah. Yeah. I Um, met her once. I think I met her once before. This will be your second time meeting Judy. It's just I like to keep track of things. That's why I mentioned (laughs) that. No, I met her at the Polaris Music Prize Gala. It's nice. It's nice you even remember. I remember. Um, I remember most things. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It's actually a, a curse. I wish I could forget. 
<laughs> but I remember most things and they don't leave my brain. Anyway, Judy yeah. seems nice. and She's super nice. Yeah. She's so nice that she let me move back into her house. Um, no pressure from your, you didn't have pressure from your mom about your course of, your life course at that point. No, that's the funny thing. Because, yeah, I, like I said before, I put a lot of pressure on myself mm-hmm. to like meet these expectations of like, yeah, I got to go to school and yeah, do all this stuff. And it took me a long time to realize I just really wanted to make music and that was fine. I didn't have to go to school to, to legitimize that. But anyways, I'm, yeah, I moved back in with my mom. I didn't have any money and I still wanted to write music and be creative. And that's when I started hanging out with Jeremy Greenspan and he was like, well, you have a laptop, like, just let me give you this copy of Logic. And then I started to teach myself through YouTube tutorials. And yeah, it just basically came out of like me not having any other options. Cause like prior, prior to like doing music on my computer, I had like gone into studios around Hamilton to record music, like in the more like traditional way or whatever but i had no money to do that anymore jazz jazz music like kind of more singer song writer style of with like a jazz twinge to it right like nora jones or something you know that was someone you kind of aspired to hell no no No, but like that's if i could compare i see something not quite jazz Sort of jazz. Oh, just wishy-washy crap. Right. Yeah. No, just like... Still eager to please at that point. You thought you had to please people totally. in a certain way. Yeah. yeah, it's really... Ma- I don't know if you have... A, if you look back on yourself and like you're like, who? Wh- who is this like invisible person that I was trying to like please it's weird look back on yourself i do that all the time i know yeah i know that's, I'm like a, that's why like... i'm now i'm like a wishy-washy <laughs> podcast music interviewer guy you know just that's, that's not wishy-washy i mean that's pretty definitive <laughs> it's it's a thing that i do yeah no but anyway that that that's fascinating to me that your parent your mom was letting you just find your way yeah she's so supportive yeah and logic by the way just so, so people don't understand this is like a, a multi-track recording what what is logic exactly? Yeah, it's, it's a program. Like, it's like Apple's Pro Tools. Or, yeah, yeah. It's, so like, it's like a multi-track the, recording software thing. Exactly. And he just said, "It's a DAW." Yeah. Yeah. He said, "Here, here you go." Yeah. He's like, "I have an extra user copy, so yeah. Why don't you just start messing around with it?" And then yeah, it was at that time we started working on music, and yeah, from there like the music came together for the first album. In 2013, but yeah, that's that, the first expression. Like that's the first blast of the. the no, rec- I mean, like we did like a lot of. Oh, okay. Stuff that was never released, and like it took us like a couple of years to like find find our stride. But that was when it began. Okay. You know, moving and, back to Hamilton. And how would you characterize that music? I mean, we've talked about jazz a little bit. I'm always careful trying to describe music made within your realm. Because yeah. I don't quite, even with Jeremy, you know, Jeremy was on the show when the the junior, the, the most recent Junior Boys record came out, and we were talking about stuff. And I, mm. I try to be a bit careful, okay, because it's a a realm that I totally understand. I think, and then I I think there's aspects that I don't. This electronic, it's pop music, I think, mm. isn't it? Yeah, ultimately, absolutely. yeah. But there's this electronic aspect to it that people find a little uh, enigmatic. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping you can illuminate that why what was it about those sounds coming from your background it's very fascinating to me which i didn't know i didn't know you had all this other stuff all this like academic Academic and jazz stuff uh how did it lead you to i mean jeremy i understand was it jeremy's influence that maybe i mean it was certainly like his he i mean he really was like a mentor for me at the time for sure um also like my dad was a musician and he had all this analog gear just really kicking around the house and and so yeah it was just like using the things that were like around me and like my mom said like you're here I don't want this stuff in the house anymore like if you're not going to use it then I'm going to sell it oh and so what kind of stuff was it so there was a like a dx7 and uh, Polymoog, which is like a really nice 
synthesizer from like 1979 that like is really like top of the line i don't know why my dad bought all this like him and my mom had a band but like my mom had no interest and like the polymoog is pretty complicated huh. and my mom was like i just don't have any interest in learning how to program your mom it. plays music too my mom play, yeah both my parents um and my mom is a musician still and yeah so i uh, sorry i forgot what Oh, I was trying to figure out. How, oh, yeah, we were trying. We were talking about how you arrived at making the music you made with Jeremy, and you said a lot of it was inspired by the fact that your mom and your your dad's gear was just kicking around, and you started fooling around with it. Yeah, it. I mean, playing playing those same chords, like those jazz progressions, like really simple or like sometimes more complicated chords. They always sounded like a little wanky on the piano, yeah. but if you put them on the DX7 suddenly they sound a lot not I don't want to say interesting they just sound like better yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? sure, sure. Um, yeah I don't I was I like used to sit down at the piano and write songs and I don't know I just needed another way to like be creative right yeah and all these machines if we can call them machines they gave you a whole new platform new outlet on yeah. some level of sonic texture and all that stuff. Totally. And it's like so freeing to like um, not know what you're doing with something and just mess around and not. Because I'd been playing piano for such a long time and I just had, had so many different like teachers and a whole like method to like how I practiced and like it really sucked the fun out of it for me. So it was m more fun for me to like experiment with like a drum machine or like learn how to use MIDI and you know all that all that stuff when when they were on the show and and I've I've heard them talk about this in other interviews but bad bad not good mm -hmm. talked about how they ended up they were in a jazz program as well yeah and they ended up really resisting the the curriculum because in terms of playing they just wanted to do their own thing i yeah. mean at the time their own thing was let's play hip-hop music or yeah, yeah. hip-hop producers uh beats and let's just make them into to jazz it sounds like you had kind of a similar thing where because i think their work is still rooted in the freedom and rebelliousness of jazz mm -hmm. sounds like yours was too like you you say you you came from that background something about the academia stifled you yet when you started messing with all the gear, you were applying sort of, like you say, jazz chords yeah. to these new things, or things that were new to you. Yeah. And then this opened you up. Like, this was actually more freeing. Yeah. So there's something, I think, about the orthodoxy of jazz that musicians like yourself seem to find stifling, but at the same time, you can call back upon it to free yourself i'm writing a poem right now <laughs> i don't mean it's to a lot be of freeing <laughs> i said freeing a lot yeah too. you did too free. well it's part of free music and experiment whatever yeah, improvised yeah, no, music because you were talking about i think you were hinting at improvisation there this notion of just messing around yeah which i that aspect of what we know as jazz now is the most inspiring thing like if you can see someone just particularly when you see performers just in the moment working together chemically and creating stuff it's just like wow and it's if it's the right configuration it can be mind-blowing anyway yeah. do you feel like you still draw upon jazz in your work um or at least the tenets of jazz i mean yeah not like not consciously i don't think but i mean all the the music that i really love like in a roundabout way was like like because i started studying like traditional jazz in school and then like you know i got really into neo soul music like i mentioned like jill scott yeah. and like i loved erica badu right. when i was a teenager and like she would always talk about shaka khan and then i started listening to shaka khan and like got really into funk music and like i think that funk music and like really poppy funk is like i think one of the biggest influences for me at least in the music that jeremy and i make now but very very so, strong female vocalist too you mean the, well, the oh, ones Shaka you, Khan? <laughs> you mentioned all of them, like Erica, Jill, Shaka Khan. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I have never had like one of those 
powerhouse voices. So like, yeah, but then I discovered other people like Patrice Russian, like she has a really soft voice, but yeah. she's like, can still really kind of like be commanding in her own way. So she was a huge inspiration for me too. And she was like a Quincy Jones protege, you know, and she's like a multi-instrumentalist, like total jazz school right. lady. And yeah, so it's, yeah, I think that jazz, like we were talking about before, like going to school and learning the fundamentals of like, what is pop music? I mean, like jazz music really is in everything and it's so much in the music that is a huge inspiration for me. Like not directly, you know, I'm like not it's listening. In, it's within you though. Yeah. I, like I'm not listening to like the Red Garland albums. No, and no. Like, no. But, you know, from that came R&B and came funk. You know, it's like all, it's all connected. So, yeah, I mean... I could I could say bad things about going to school for jazz, but ultimately I think it was, you know, a really great decision. Well, you mentioned me. jazz piano. When did you find your voice as a singer? And like we've we've been talking in a roundabout way about your own singing and as it relates to the people that inspired you. And you mentioned that you are self-aware or self. I don't think you sounded self-conscious, but you certainly sounded self-aware about the fact that you have a softer voice, not a powerhouse mm. voice. So you you seem conscious of your your delivery and your vocal when did you kind of find your voice as a singer throughout all of this through this trajectory that we're trying to yeah. outline um, um, I'm just trying to get a sense of that I mean I sang like in talent shows when I was a kid um, but I always felt self-conscious of like the reality that I wasn't like a belter you know it's like did you try Totally, and I yeah. really sucked at it. But it wasn't even like I thought of it as being a fault. And it, yeah, I really had to grow into the reality that, like, even realizing that the kind of voices I like aren't necessarily like big and powerful, but like unique and special. And I don't know, I think they're. I could like make a kind of like gendered argument that, like, I don't know, when you're a young girl and. I, like Disney was a big part of my life, sure. you know, it's just like, I want to sound like Ariel. Uh, yeah. Ariel or like Princess Jasmine or sure. something. you know, it's, it's so stupid to like think about it now, but that was like really real for me when I was no, like seven. Things are super powerful. And, yeah. I, and I think, I mean, now we talk about just how uh, damaging some of those things can be for kids. My daughter is two and she's obsessed with her, some, my parents got her this box set of princess disney books it's, mm. they're all it's i'm very uncomfortable with it it's mm. also chintzy too like they they don't <laughs> do the whole story as like a six page book and it's just like everything happens like you know they'll just tell like the story of uh aladdin or and the like, little mermaid in like six pages and oh, i'm like just whipping through it yeah yeah it's yeah. ridiculous i don't like it and and then but she's super into it and she calls them her princess books and i'm starting to feel self-conscious about whether that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think it's good to have something to balance it out, but at the same, you can't force your kid to be interested in something that they no. don't, yeah, so that's tricky. But that was an influence on you. I know, yeah. <laughs> those voices, like those, those Disney musicals. I think it was just a perfect storm of like, but it's like a common storm of mm. overachievers wanting to be perfect. You were an overachiever. To totally, yeah. Like a like a people pleaser, you know? And then yeah. like the, you know, the pop culture things that you consume as a little kid are also about like perfect voices yep. and, you know, so it just all came together in this way to like, yeah, make me feel like I had to live up to this um, kind of perfect voice which was like never gonna happen and thankfully I like grew out of that but it's like pretty advanced age <laughs> before yeah before I realized that like yeah it's not um uh, an advantage to sound like a like Ariel from the Little Mermaid all the time right you know right and you have to find your own voice within all of that yeah too did, yeah. did that did that um work ethic if you will did that give you anxiety? Did it give you? Did that stress you out to to be a an overachieving perfectionist? 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've always been stressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like my, I Has it subsided? A little bit. Yeah, I mean the the reality of like death is, you know, of stress is like killing you it helps me to try and like maybe relax a little bit. How did you uh how did that enter the picture, that reality? I just started thinking about oh. it more. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you started thinking about your way of dealing with stress and <laughs> and trying to ease your stress was to contemplate death. Well, <laughs> no, I mean like just realizing that like I mean I don't want to start getting into like some really heavy heavy stuff but like my dad passed away oh, at a I'm very sorry. no no it happened so long ago yeah. but it, when he was quite young I think from stress and like I'm his daughter so like I have those genes and oh. like huh. you know it it's not good to um yeah stress out all the time have a better time if you just relax a little bit and i'm saying this like i believe it but i have to really remind myself of it all the time i i've gotten the impression from your latest full the record oh no mm. that stress or dealing with stress or delving into stress that's a source of inspiration on the record or something you're trying to yeah. cope with yeah, I think to do something with that energy that doesn't involve being mean to people or oh, <laughs> taking... Being mean to people? Well, I just notice how much like conflict just comes from the fact that people are stressed and instead of like talking about it, they just bottle it up and then they get really raged out. Like interpersonal group dynamic kind of stuff. Not, yeah. You're not talking about, like these days, stress comes, a lot of it, I feel like if you're an engaged uh, internet person. Yeah. Like if, you, if you're on. The, <laughs> I if you're like on, that. <laughs> if you're an engaged internet person and, and you uh, are e on. An EIP. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and, you're, and, you're on, <laughs> and you're on all the platforms. A lot of the um, vitriol or... Um, not even necessarily it's not vitriol is one aspect of it but just a lot of the feedback you get is this external stranger someone you vaguely know on facebook or someone mm -hmm. you vaguely know on twitter is offering their opinion on you and that if you're not careful it can it can ruin or lift your day i know and it's sort of nothing it sort of should be nothing it should be yeah but it is powerful like yeah. you said are you is that something that affects you? Like just being, I, mean, not I can't really, tell how engaged you are on really, that. I mean, I, I am, but I'm not, there's just this part of me, like I have like all sorts of really spazzy things that go through my head that like, I like, you know, I really want to like <laughs> go on my Twitter and, and then I'm just like, no, I, it's just not me. Spazzy? Like, what do you mean? Just like what you described, seeing somebody say something that's like really pisses me off. About I, you? No, it's oh, just about, about anything, anything yeah. or yeah. what everything. And I, it's just not me. I, I, I really think that, I, I don't know. I, f I feel this pressure to engage more and that by being silent on certain things, I'm like not participating or I don't care. And it's not that at all. I care a lot, but it's a weird format for me. And I just don't feel I feel really uncomfortable <laughs> with yeah, it I think yeah. a lot of people it's not like uncommon it's no, just not I, me I don't know I can't I'm not concise like I ramble you know having little snippets and like really digging in there with a little scissor comment it's just not me. I'm not good at it either like I can't I'm mostly now like I try to do the odd dad joke Mm. Uh, <laughs> but mostly I'm retweeting people who are clearly good at it. Mm -hmm. And then that's my contribution. And I, then I feel bad that I'm not as good as them. Cause I'm like, I think I have thoughts. Yeah. I have a show. I, I yeah. should be able to express myself the way all these other people are. But then a lot of the things I'm engaged with, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm primarily engaged with American politics. It seems even yeah. more so right now than Canadian politics. I mean, yeah. I try to stay engaged with everything, but, uh, it's like, who am I? I'm a guy in Canada talking about American politics all the time. Yeah, I think I think similarly where yeah. it's like, I think it's a good idea to maybe pass the mic. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> like my insights, I mean, I certainly have insights, but like, yeah, I think other people can put it better. 
So we we segued or we went on a tangent because you were talking about stress between people, and I kind of brought in this whole oh yeah the social media stress. But you're talking about kind of social stress or group dynamics. I think my stress? short answer because you were just talking about like stress and the last record and. I think that like making music over the past five years has really become, I mean, it's always been an escape for me. It is. But definitely just my way of, yeah, using this energy that like, I think if it can get turned into like n things that are negative and I just, I like to be by myself and doing music and production is a pretty good excuse to like squirrel yourself away. And you're, not you're a loner? I mean, I'm not, it's like, I'm a selective loan. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just you like, don't seem like to... A, you seem, out, you seem uh, extroverted. Really? Well, a little <laughs> bit. Oh, anytime I've engaged with you, I'm not like, oh, it's going to be hard to... To get, get pry. Yeah, yeah. Not to pry. That's a no, horrible no, thing sorry, to say about sorry. me. I don't do that. Um, I'm not, not a... pry. Uh... <laughs> no, just to get you to open up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But you always seem very open. Like, you're friendly and... That's thanks. Warmth. There's a warmth, and I feel like you're ready to, you. to engage with people. Yeah, no, I, I like to talk yeah, I definitely. It's not like I don't like to talk, but yeah, sometimes I just really appreciate that my job is getting. You know, it justifies me spending a lot of my day alone. Alone. Yeah, which is nice. But then I can leave and see people <laughs> if I want yeah, to. Yeah, but yeah. Is it a source of stress? This thing you love, the music. I mean, s sort of. I always have it in the back of my head that like it could end. Oh. at any moment you know but that's like true of anything why would so, it end i mean just because music and art in general i think are just so fickle you know or undervalued yeah i mean that too but that you know one day things could really be going really great and then the next day nobody cares you know it's it does happen that's external quickly. that's external stuff that's other people's perception of okay sorry I, I go through this all the time yeah, yeah. and I don't mean to you're everyone likes well, you I can see I hit a I hit a little nerve well yeah. I just think that sometimes I this happens to me all the time where I have to remind myself why I'm doing the thing I do yeah. okay you make a record or a song you generally make batches of things right definitely and you'll put them batches out batches of nine or ten sure yeah. and then like you've got an ep that came out recently that's right. that yeah. other people remixed your stuff yes or, yeah mostly right yeah so you didn't have to do anything there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I had to listen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> to, no. I had to send them the stems. No, no. To bounce them. <laughs> All I'm saying is you're doing things that maybe take a year or two to come out eventually, right? Yeah. And then there's people who are writing articles every day or they're doing a thing every week. And not when you're doing something so regularly... What I've learned is that all of them are going to take off or resonate with people. Mm. And then some of them will, and you don't, you kind of know why sometimes. But all of that stuff, that popularity or whatever, shouldn't really impact the practice, like in terms of justifying the practice. Yeah. So when you say music is fickle or art is fickle, you're talking about the reception to those things. Yeah, I guess just the ability to tour. And oh, I see. Demand. So sorry. I have like a, there is this inner dialogue with me. Cause yeah. like if, if I could just be at home and make music and like, I could just make money off of what I release. 
oh my god that would be right <laughs> pretty incredible but that doesn't it doesn't work like that unless you're in commercials or something like that. yeah or scoring um, films or things like that. sure i mean so it's it's possible and lots of people do it but for me at this point in time my like livelihood really does rely on people's desire to see me right. in public right so i guess in that way people losing interest in me would kind of impact. Yes, okay, I see what yeah, you're Yeah, so sorry, I had a whole inner thought no, that no. I wasn't... Um, but yeah, I think that that's why it doesn't stress me out so much is because of what you said, like, I have a routine and I have i don't know what I would do other than music. So yeah. I think regardless of people liking the albums, I mean, certainly it's a motivation to have people <laughs> be positive about it, but I think I would keep making music anyway. Well, so far, people seem very receptive and positive, yeah, it's, right? it's been great. Yeah, like mm -hmm. people think you're good. Thank you. <laughs> no, they do, right? All the media people and the fans, they think you're great. Yeah, it's awesome. But you, don't, you don't like touring. No, I do. It's, it's like... I don't know, it's always like you want what you can't have, you know? Right. I, like when I'm there, I get homesick after a couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. But when I'm home, I kind of want to leave. You want to get out of there, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, I like touring. It's, it's such a special thing and something that not a lot of people get to do, you know? So I definitely appreciate it while I'm doing it. But yeah, it's just, it's just a bit lonely and yeah. You were just on tour? I was, yeah. I mean, you're on tour technically now that you're playing. Kind of, yeah, you're this is... Playing an hour away from your house. Yeah. Whatever. 40, yeah, 40 I'm minutes. on the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of town. But where did you yeah. just come from uh, in, in terms of a larger tour? It, it was a European tour that went for the whole month of March and a little bit of April. The whole month of March and a little bit of April? That's a yeah. long time. Yeah, it was like a month. Yeah. Well, March 8th, I left, and then I came back April 3rd. Right. Okay. And how was that? It was great. It was really good. Have you toured Europe before? I have, yeah, but I went to a bunch of places I'd never been, like the Baltics and the Balkans, and yeah, I mean, like Lithuania, Estonia, oh, Latvia wow. were really cool. By yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to play with a drummer, but she um, is unfortunately not coming. Uh, to these these tours so yeah I was solo totally by yourself no road yeah, person you no. were just you on your own yeah what was that like that's the lonely part that was a bit lonely I don't think I haven't had I haven't done that since I like went on my first batch of shows like in 2013 so yeah it was a little funny did you do all the driving no it was all fly-ins oh you flew oh from yeah it was like it started in Lisbon and then, yeah, it was like Lisbon, Madrid, Bologna, and then to the Baltic. It was all flying. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was like flying almost every day. Tell me uh, off the top of your head mm. a highlight. I want a tour story highlight because tourists oh, yeah. often have good, great. I, the, I still to this day, the first real tour I road manage is just chock full of <laughs> fascinating things to me that I'm still processing. Really? I think so. Yeah, it was well, I don't want to get into that. I want to hear about yours. I just mean when you go on the road, sometimes it can be a magical thing. Sometimes it can be pretty routine. Mm -hmm. But sometimes weird stuff happens, interesting stuff happens. Did anything happen on this tour? Um in Sofia, Bulgaria, I was there for one extra day and the promoter Andre was like really really nice guy and I told him how much I like spas uh -huh. and in Bulgaria because it's like in between Turkey and Greece like they're like have a big spa culture there so like spa culture spa culture yeah I didn't so know that was a thing like like um I'm not really I've been to Oslo and that's pretty much it I mean they have steam rooms there they have saunas I just there, remember Oslo being very expensive the pizza I bought was like <laughs> 50 bucks it is expensive yeah. Norway is yeah. yeah very expensive everything's just like lined with gold I don't understand <laughs> what is going on there anyway I um, don't know Europe very well but there's a spa culture I understand now that you yeah, told people me people are that. just into steam rooms and saunas right. and like cold, cold plunges right I vaguely knew that okay yeah so I told him this and he was like yeah well we should go except it's like um it's like gendered. It's like, uh. it's, it's always naked too. Oh, right. So like right. he got his friends, his 
female friend to come and take me to a spa. And it was this like weird, it, yeah, it had a real like rec center kind of uh, <laughs> vibe to it, but it was uh, really fun and really nice and well, a couldn't bit Couldn't you have strange. gone to the spa by yourself? I could have, but he was like, he wanted to be hospitable, to sure. right, you know? Right. So brought you a naked woman. Yeah, but she was so cool. <laughs> I'm sure she was. <laughs> she was really nice. Yeah, so like we went out for the day and we went to the spa, the ladies' spa, and um, yeah. Okay. Off the top of my head. So that was the most. That was the weirdest and funnest, most interesting thing. I got to be naked with a stranger <laughs> in Bulgaria. In the spa. And yeah, in okay. The, the spa. <laughs> so it's a it's a magical life you lead, frankly. It's pretty cool when people are yeah like you don't you, normally you know. It was a really, I casually said it, and he took my request pretty That's nice. seriously. So nice, yeah. No, I mean, you, you are a traveler, and, and the world is falling apart. Do you, did you have a sense of that outside, outside of your re- relaxing spa day? Did you have a sense of... <laughs> Don't like such a shit <laughs> No, no. No, you had one relaxing spa day. The rest of it was uh, hard, grueling fly-ins and fly-outs. Those aren't easy, actually. Man. And at some level, don't you actually prefer driving? yeah like flying all the time is exhausting yeah it is tiring yeah it's more tiring than driving i like driving yeah you have have freedom and anyway no i didn't mean to i wasn't making fun of you no 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 but uh do you did you have do you have conversations with the people you're visiting or meeting about the state of things the state of the world yeah people want to talk about it yeah yeah they're always like as a canadian Oh, as a Canadian. Being close to the United States and yeah, that's usually the segue question. So what is your perspective on that? When you, how do you answer that question? I mean, touring America is like one of my favorite things, you know, it's like such a weird, such a weird place. It's like a cliche thing to say, but it's like kind of got the best and worst aspects. Um, And I like that about it, but I don't know. I mean, it's like I just read things every day that are just such a drag, and I just don't. But even but I read things here. Like I feel like there is this like just weird, just hatred lurking under the surface, even in like Canada, you know. Um, oh, there is. I mean, that's like so obvious. Obviously, there's there no, is. There's you no know? doubt about that. Yeah. This is when people ask me. Like, I mean, it's so much more like in your face and blatant and. Um, yeah, it's like I'm not comparing Canada and the U.S. I mean, sure, sure. But um, that's fascinating that you go to Europe and people want to know your perspective as a Canadian on a yeah, thing that well, you're not even all, part of. They're all like, "Oh, you have that handsome, really nice." Oh, Trudeau. Tru- yeah. <laughs> do you ever do you uh, ever splash a, a, a cold, uh, you know, handful of spa water in their faces about? <laughs> yeah. uh, about the Trudeau, because I've been doing that a little bit lately. Yeah, people are like, like, oh, you've got, because comparably, obviously, I, on some level, tr- well, no, on most, many, all levels, Trudeau is preferable to someone like Trump. But at the same time, he has not proven to be, I'm sorry, I don't want to get. No, no, I agree. He says yeah. one thing and then does others. And I think he. But he know, is handsome. Yeah. And he can balance babies in the palm mm-hmm. of his hands. Yeah. So. He's like a, he's like a, he's like Jesus. He's basically. Yeah, I don't know if you do that with your. No, no. <laughs> I would never balance my daughter with one hand. That would be weird. Yeah. So people, yeah. but people want to ask your opinion of these things. Definitely. And yeah. Do you think that's because you're? I was just having a conversation with, um, who was it? I think it was, I think it was Meg from U.S. Girls. Uh, yesterday, actually, we were just talking about. Oh, she must get weird questions. Do you think so? Well, about her name, and I don't know. Her name? Oh, U.S. Girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never... Do you know Meg? No. She's very interesting and thoughtful and outspoken. And um, she sends me um, these very lengthy emails that yeah. I uh, try to unpack. And they're very interesting. And, and, and we kind of had this discussion about how she has come to the conclusion that she's kind of talking to herself in an email. Mm-hmm. But she sends them to me. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> or, or people well, not just me but she just will like write a conver- like she'll just try to process something that's bothering her in the in the course of an email but i was talking i think it was to her i'm pretty sure that, i hope i didn't just drop her name for no reason but just this notion of asking creative and artistic people their thoughts about 
the state of the world or politics. Yeah. Some people think, what's the point? Some musicians have even said, you know, this isn't my purview. Like no. you're asking me something that's way above my pay grade or whatever, you know. But at the same time, I feel like you're being asked because people see, because you. I, I think of you as an observant songwriter as well. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not trying to put pressure on you here. <laughs> no, I think no. of you as someone as a songwriter, I think when you're and as an observant one, I think you're 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 viewing human behavior from a particularly interesting lens. So I think maybe that's that's certainly why I ask these questions of people like yourself, and I'm sure that's why people when you're visiting a town want to size you up a little bit and and figure out what's on your mind, you know? Yeah. Do you find that stressful? <laughs> or do I mean, you... it is it's like I had this one experience where like I did this interview and she I think she had her narrative before we spoke and I don't regret what I said but the you know it was just taken out of context a little bit like she asked me like what do you think about being a woman in the music industry right. that's like a very common question and I started out my sentence by saying I don't really like being asked just because I am a woman in electronic music that like I'm going to have the answer to this question because but I think that the world is largely misogynistic and so is the music industry and then like you know a couple weeks later it was like Jesse Lanza says the music industry is misogynistic and that was like the little catch and I mean, all you have to do is say something like that to just see how nuts people are. About you really can see how misogynistic the world actually is once you actually say something like that. But the sub just the, the subtext of that question, I think, from journalists is that they are acknowledging that they don't like uh, my my friend April Lermo. Do you know April from Hooded Fang and Phaedra? I know that band, but I I don't know. She she's been making the point a lot lately that men aren't asked this question the same way. Uh, they're not asked no. about not only their place in an artistic realm, but also what they're doing to actually make that space more inclusive for people. Yeah. That's a huge double standard. Like men aren't asked, what's it like being a man in the music industry? No. What's it like being a man, a white man in the music industry who has the power to make change? Like to act, you have the most power as a white man to make it an inclusive space for people who are racialized or underrepresented or yeah or 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 gay or whatever like and and, yeah. and, I, and I think that's a really good astute point yeah so the the question to, it sounds like you were defensive and offended by the question yeah that is a good way to put it i mean i didn't want to not say anything but i kind of the whole thing just left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth you know I'm always thinking about like what portion of this is going to make it into this article yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and I'm always thinking about that like because it's through the filter of this person and it's like you know not every journalist is writing for like um the New Yorker you know what I mean so it's a lot of trust to yeah yeah because things can be misquoted or misconstrued and it's like you know it's really important and I just don't want to be taken out of context so yeah I am always a little bit weary about it but oh man there's people are just so hateful it's wild not necessarily like that I'm encountering on a day-to-day basis but it's just it's a real pit out there (laughs) well they want to push back when you speak out is that what you mean yeah I think I mean yeah for sure. There's just this wave of like, you said a thing that counters our narrative or the narrative we've been working on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and that's why you get pushback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know I was just thinking about like comment sections, you know, all you need to do is just take a gander through one of those and it gets really quite, well, the, quite the, explicit. Yeah. The other thing quickly. I, the other thing I've encountered numerous times and definitely in conversations with someone like April is this notion of like, I'm a person. People are always asking me what it's like to be a woman in a band or a woman making music, but I'm a person. Like I don't yeah. only have to talk about 
we all don't only have to define what I do because I'm a woman. Yeah, I know it's totally, that's like such a good point because it really is just about being treated with respect yeah. just as anybody would and that nobody is expecting one thing or another of you because yeah. of how you look. Um, I feel yeah. like... Ugh, so that's... that's sorry. No, no, it's just, yeah, the expectation to what you can and can't do is just sometimes... It's so, it's like, just, you can like, it's palpable. <laughs> like you can just feel it when you walk into a venue that like people size you up and, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, this is going to be, you know, I've had people be like, what are you in some kind of girly band or something? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when people just make, you know, it's like, anyways, it is totally like what you said, April said, it's like, I am a person and I just want you to treat me like you would. Yeah. Anybody, and just with respect. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's uh, probably a ton of stuff we could go and talk about, but I know that um, you know we're here kind of backstage, and you you got a show to play, so yeah. I I'm, I want to let you go. But uh, before I do, do you have what are you working on? Are you working on something? You, you, yeah. You seem yeah. like you're always working on something. Je <laughs> I am working on something. Yeah. Jeremy and I have started some new songs, so we'll see. They're not in your set yet no not um, tonight but are you so someone that will will start to infuse your set with something you've just started working on or just finished mm, or do you wait till the record's out no i mean no i've played stuff that's been not on the record but yeah, yeah i sometimes it's bad when you play it before because if like the crowd doesn't react the way you want them to then i think you can start questioning whether it should go on the record at all don't you find that don't you find that crowds don't react to things that, i find that people don't react to things they're completely unfamiliar with totally that's a hundred percent it doesn't true. necessarily you could you could be the you could be in front of your most loyal fan base and you say here's a new song if you introduce it that way people are going to be like i'm just going to listen to this i'm yeah. not going to i may not gesticulate react. i'm just gonna oh like i'm uh, this isn't Everything, every old song is a nostalgia trigger. Well, and so you can kind of go on autopilot as a listener because you're like, I know where this is going and I'm yeah. just going to get into it. To that point, I think Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen didn't get popular until it was in Shrek. So. That's right. <laughs> That's true. That's, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's always something. So I'm just going to remember that <laughs> <laughs> when I try and do some of the new stuff. So you okay? So you're working on new stuff. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. touring, you've got lots more touring to do. Yeah, there's some festivals in Europe, and then I think by August, I think that's going to be it for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. just focus on writing. Back to your lonesome. Yeah, just back to the solo. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Back to spending most of my day. Are you still living alone. with Judy? What's that? Are you still living with your mom? No, oh. no. I'm living with my sister right now, actually. I'm just moving from family member to family <laughs> yeah, member. Yeah, I know. Just who will take me? <laughs> I've just been away so much, and um, I moved out of my other house, and I'm in an in-between place. Still, are you still in Hamilton? I am. How's yeah. Hamilton? I keep hearing conflicting things. It's fun. Okay. It's like, But know, everyone is leaving. It's getting expensive. Yes. You know why? Because people from uh, the city of Toronto, for one, are being displaced. They, they <laughs> I are. Know, they I know. can't afford. They're being pushed out. Yeah. 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 It is. And that getting... makes a market like it's happening in here in Guelph. Really? Oh yeah. People are paying like hundred, two hundred grand over asking for houses in wow. our city. I guess and, it is pretty close to Toronto. Yeah, and they come and they leave. They leave Toronto and they move here. And then they, uh, my thing, and I've said this before on the show. They'll move in for like a year and a half and then they'll sell the house again for like, um, like flip it, kind of flip mm. it. They don't do anything to it. I've watched them. They don't do anything <laughs> to their house. They just sit there and then they move just away. Let the market value go but up then the whole you. market changes because of all this. No one can afford to live in mostly in Toronto. So that's what I keep hearing about Hamilton. It's yeah, that that's totally. A it's thing. getting really expensive. It is getting expensive. Yeah. But I mean, it's all right. Okay. It's all right. Do you ever go to granddad's donuts? Hell yeah. That's my favorite place in the world. It's really good. It's a donut time machine. Jeremy loves Granddad's Donuts. I, if you ever talk to him about again, Granddad's Donuts, like, yeah. If you bring up Granddad's, oh man, he'll light up. It's the greatest. What's your favorite donut? Uh, the Ghostbuster. What's that one? It's like the white <laughs> coconut on the outside. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I like a good old fashioned like honey, honey dip. Yeah, the know? honey dips are good. 
I'm a walnut crunch and orange twist. Oh, the orange twists are good. Do yeah. You know, do you know anything about what's going on over there? Is there like a, <laughs> is there like a former Tim Hortons baker or something? Because they took the original. Re- the, the thing that's blowing my mind and anyone I tell to go there, they're like, what the hell? Because they actually make the old-fashioned Tim Hortons donuts exactly the way they used to make yeah, them. I don't know. I mean, I know Tim Hortons really, they changed when they started, oh like, God. bringing just it. Awful. They don't bake it there anymore. I think no. they just, like, bring it all in. It's bad. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the story is, but Granddad's You don't know the story about Granddad's Donuts? You live in Hamilton? I thought you would have the, the, the inside story? scoop. Yeah. No. I mean, I've been going there for a really long time. Interesting clientele. Interesting vibe in there. Totally. It's a, Yeah. It's a special place. It's super special. I love Granddad's Donuts. It is like a capsule of time. Can you write a song <laughs> based on one of the donuts or Granddad's Donuts? Um, do you think there is a Granddad? Was there a See, Granddad? See, this is the backstory. <laughs> Can you do some research on this? And then, <laughs> and I want a song. I, I mean, I'm very demanding right now. But yeah. if you can come out somehow, like Walnut Crunch, a song. What? That in doesn't two, make any sense. I'm just hungry now. No, in two two years, yeah. Two years? Well, I don't know. I don't know when the next time we're going to talk is. <laughs> Six, yeah. Oh, because it's been two years since we've spoken? Months. We've talked. We haven't talked in a while. I, I suppose that's true. But I can it, come up with something in that time. Really? You're going to do this for me just because I asked? And all the granddads did donut fans? I mean... It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'll... I'll think about it. I'll put something on the back burner, you know? <laughs> all right, that's nice of you. Is there a song from your record or the remix thing? Is there something we should play right now for people to hear um from from the album i think could be you would be a really nice song to play why did that come to mind i think that's my favorite song on the record and at first i thought maybe you could play dj tay's remix of it but i think i think i want the original i don't know you can choose the remix is great the original from the record i think is yeah i'm pretty proud of that song is it inspired by anything in particular um, having lots of boyfriends. Oh, are you do you, do you have boyfriends? Lots of boyfriends. Oh yeah. Are you are you dating someone now? Mm-hmm. Oh, is that going well? Yeah, it's going great. <laughs> no, it is. I don't mean to pry. I'm just <laughs> asking. No, yeah. but you you okay? So this is this is could be you. It's about having lots of boyfriends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesse, this was very fun. Thank you. It was really, it was fun. It was yeah. nice to connect with you again, and I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,
from her critically acclaimed 2016 album, Oh No, that was Jesse Lanzo with Could Be You. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for being on this program. I had a good time. I don't get the impression that Jesse opens up too much like that. So I appreciate that time with her. And uh, it was nice meeting her mom again. And man, did you hear the reverb in the interview? Because of the church basement? That was very surprising. I was not expecting that when I started uh, putting this thing together. But wow. Wow. Hopefully that wasn't uh, weird for you. Did it feel religious? I hope I hope you're okay. This is the 328th episode of the Creative Control Podcast, which is available on all of your finer podcast networks, uh, platforms, and networks. Platforms. iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, everything. It's really everywhere. And if you uh, are missing episodes and want to figure out how this thing started, go to vishkana.com. Every single episode is there in some form or another for you to download or stream. So listen to the show uh, at vishkana.com. Also, visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to the program and view some t-shirts that I will offer you in exchange for your donation. If you'd like a t-shirt, just send me a note. I will send you what I have in terms of sizes and colors and shapes and whatnot, and I will send you a t-shirt. It's just that simple. Patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Also, you can like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at vishcreative. And a version of the show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern time around the world at cfru.ca. Or if you're in the area, CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. If you're in Hamilton and you go to 93.3 FM, you will be listening to uh, CFMU, the McMaster station. So Jesse's from Hamilton. You could be listening to this from Hamilton. Just know, same dial, 93.3 FM. There's some snow in between the two cities. Just There'll be some static there, so just be careful. This episode would not be possible without our sponsors, Pizza Trocadero in Guelph. You can call them for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. I just had some tonight. I had the margarita. It was beautiful, amazing. Also, the Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant. Located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. I was just there to use the bathroom. Unbelievable. And for the finest coffee anywhere, try Planet Bean Freshly Roasted Fair Trade Certified Organic Coffee. Uh, I was just there with my wife and we had coffee. It, uh, it was hot and caffeinated. Everything you'd want in a cup of coffee. For more information, visit planetbeancoffee.com. Com. That's the end of this episode. And uh, uh, again, subscribe to the show where you listen to it, download it, share it, rate it, review it. Keep it going. Tell your friends about the show and, and tell me what you think about the show, too, because I can take it. All right. That's it for me. Goodbye for now. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.